This is the Two Spies Podcast, studying the Bible in a different way. What does the verse say? What is the topic being addressed? How does this affect me today? Go deeper in Scripture. Now the conversation begins with your hosts, David and Mark. Okay, so we're picking up in Genesis 25, and this week, as we promised, we're killing Abraham. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot we said that we would. Yeah, well, we said we would two two episodes ago, <laughs> but he's really dying today. And what killed him? Genesis twenty five one. Abraham took another wife, <laughs> uh, whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimram, Yokshan, Madan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Uh, Yokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Asherim, Let- Latushim, and Leamim. The sons of Midian were Epha, Epher, Chanuk, Abedah, and Eldah. All these were children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts, and while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. Because if you go eastward, you go to the east country. <laughs> <laughs> What you got on this? I was curious. It just popped in my head. Um, you know about the Midianites, right? Like, yeah. Do you think the Midianites came from this guy, Midian? From sure Abraham? do. Okay. Sure. I've never looked into it, so I was just curious. <clears throat> well, we're going to look into that right here. Okay. Well, you can just keep going then. <laughs> uh, I actually just kind of did a breakdown of some of the names. Did a breakdown of all the names, but I mean, they're not really important for us to, to camp out on every single one of them. So, so scratch that. <laughs> uh, Keturah Keturah means incense It comes from the word Katar Meaning to sacrifice Or to burn Or to make Sacrifice smoke So the act of making smoke Is Katar hmm. If you check the map East Really really far east What country is there? East of Israel Man, I'm so bad at maps. Go all the way across Saudi Arabia. What's the little sea beyond Saudi Arabia? <laughs> I got to pull the map up now. Yeah, you're confusing me already. <laughs> Where's my map? There it is. My 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 computer's going slow. You can edit this faster then. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, computer. Okay. To describe it, what is this little Persian Gulf? That's why I was thinking I didn't want to say it though. If you basically leave Israel and you go east, you would go across the Arabian Desert or Saudi Arabian Desert, end up in Iraq and Kuwait. And that would, if you followed the two main rivers of the Tigris and Euphrates downward, where they go into the sea, the Persian Gulf, before they make it out uh, to the Gulf of Oman, there is United Arab Emirates. Bahrain, there is Abu Dhabi, but there's this little country called Qatar. It is basically the same exact word as the verb her name comes from, Keturah, Qatar. This place is called Qatar. I have heard it say Qatar before, Mm. pronounced Qatar. Anyway, I just, I wanted to do with some of these names, uh, some tracing out of some places that these people may have moved to because you can go like uh, south of Israel towards what is the gulf of suez gulf of aqaba the gulf of suez cuts off left under the sinai peninsula towards israel or towards excuse me towards egypt 
And under the Sinai Peninsula, you have a different gulf that cuts off to the right, the Gulf of Aqaba. From Israel, like uh, Beersheba, when you go straight down, you'll end up at the Gulf of Aqaba. Down on on that route there, you can look at it on a modern map, there is several different names that you can easily get from the book of Job, where there's a little town called Eliphaz and that kind of stuff. So that's why I look at this and I say, I'm going to follow this around and see if there's some people who their names show up somewhere. Here's a little town uh, south of Israel area called Sofar. So one of his friends' name was Zophar also. Now, this is the area I believe that, not that we're getting into Job, but this is the area I believe Job was from. So his friends would have been from near here. So there's Zophar and Lotan is a, a name you'll find that when you start doing some tracing there, Eliphaz. Here is a town called Paran, which is the, that, that area is tied with uh, Hagar and Ishmael anyway. <clears throat> But the wilderness of Paran. So just looking around some of these names and following them, uh, Keturah, and I'm saying supposedly, I don't know, but I, I'm just saying supposedly it's right. it's a direct sounding name. So, um, And just going to the next sun or so, and just in order kind of, Zimran means music, uh, musician. And just looking around some different places, like uh, I didn't use all biblical uh, reference spots. I don't see any reason to do that when you're tracing stuff like this, for sure. So this was a uh, a Quran names website, and this person was asking somebody at the website uh, about the name Zimran. Is it okay as as if I, as a Muslim, use the name Zimran? What does it mean? I just, we, my wife and I like the way it sounds. We want to make sure it's it's okay for a Muslim to use this name, basically. So the guy gives an explanation of the name. Zimram is the name of one of the sons of the prophet Ibrahim, peace be upon him, according to the Bible, whose offspring settled in the area of modern-day Hijaz in Saudi Arabia. This name may also be related to Zabran, which is another name for the city of Jeddah, between Mecca and Medina. So, right there you have Zimran related to Hijaz in the Saudi Arabian desert, and Zimran is related to Zabran which is Yedda. You'll find Yedda if you just look down the uh, map there towards Medina and Mecca. Yedda is one of the main cities that will also be marked hmm. easily. So, and, and keeping in mind, while we're tracing these names out, where they may possibly be a city or so, because you can see that uh, what we see here in Genesis 25, 6, Abraham gave gifts to his son, his other sons, and sent them away eastward. So let's see. Yokshan. Yokshan has two sons, Sheba and Dadan. Dadan means low country. Sheba is the name that is a father of the Sabians. And you can trace Sheba out. You'll get, uh, there's another guy. Let's see. Noah had Ham. Ham had Cush. Cush had Rama. Rama had Sheba and Dedan also. This is a different Sheba and Dedan. Same same name of two brothers, but uh, this is a different set. So these are descendants of uh, Abraham, not down through Ham. But Sheba, these are the same names technically. So Sheba, there's also a, let's see, from Noah, that is 
Ham's son, grandson, great, great. So three greats, great, great, great grandson of Noah was called Seba, S-E-B-A. But his great, great grandson here was Sheba. So when I've done some some tracing out of uh, the Sabians, which come from the book of Job, Job 1.15, um, either the, that Sheba or this Sheba. I think it's this one personally, but hmm. it would it would also put them in the right area. I said we weren't going to get into Job, but here we are in Job. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, Dadan means low country. So that kind of says these guys went to the low country from in relation to Israel. Um, the sons of Dedan, Asherim, Asher or Asheri. It, we've already talked about the Assyrians. This is the Assyrians. Uh, or I should say this is possibly the Assyrians. Maybe uh, we got, we've, we've always got to give it a chance. This man named their son. Yeah. But two different families who are not related and both named their sons Mark. <laughs> right. So yeah. they shouldn't, but they do. <laughs> I mean, your mom and dad did. My mom and dad did. <laughs> That's my, my brother's name. So, uh, jumping on down to Madan. Madan and Midian are like two different versions of the same name, basically, uh, of the same root. So, Madan means contention. Midian means strife. And one of the places I found kind of suggested that uh, possibly Madan or Midian or they combined and became Medina, Madan, Medina, Midian, Medina. It, again, when words change from language to language, they usually carry consonants. Vowels are what usually changes, and maybe maybe consonants shift, but you can kind of see the the link there. Uh, just looking through to see if any of the other ones are kind of. Okay, here's, I thought this was odd. It's possibly a far stretch, but I'm still going to give it to you, okay? <laughs> Sons of Midian. Since Moses went to Midian, he pops in my head when I start looking up the names of these sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, to judge, contend, to be firm, strong, lord, or master. That's Midian, Dan, or Dean. It comes from Dean or Adon. So you can kind of get the ideas there. The, the other fellow Hebrew says to Moses, who made you master over us? So this first thing kind of starts there. The sons of Midian, Ephah. Ephah means gloom or darkness. It comes from oof, meaning to fly or to fly away, to fly about or like to flee. <laughs> so after the other Israelite says, who made you master over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Moses knows that he tried to hide it. Gloom, darkness covers a thing. You can't see it. He tried to hide it. But when he was found out, he flew. Mm. He fleed away. Uh, he goes down, even though the next son, Ephedra, means calf or deer or stag or fawn. He was a keeper of livestock. And he goes out in the wilderness one day, and the next son's name is Hanok, which means to uh, it means dedicated. It comes from the word for to train or to dedicate. But he's out in the wilderness keeping his livestock where he has fleed to. He sees a burning bush there, and God says, I'm going to send you because God had dedicated him for the purpose, <laughs> right? Uh, 
And uh, so even though he's fled way out in the wilderness, the next son's name, Abidah, means Ab, Yada, Ab is father. Yada is the common verb for to know. So the father knows. He went all the way out there in the wilderness because he had dedicated Moses to do this and says, I know all about that. I'm sending you back. Hmm. Next son's name, just to make sure that we reiterate that, because that's what God likes to do. Elda, it comes from El, which is the word for God, and the same verb, Yada, which means to know. So the Father knows, God knows. Hmm. I just, like I said, it may be a lot of, of a far stretch, but being Midian, since Moses ran to Midian, right. I thought that's kind of neat. It kind of lays out in the sons of Midian Moses' story in a way. Hmm. That is interesting. <clears throat> Last one, uh, Ishbak and Shua. Ishbak is he releases or to leave or to leave alone. Release me, leave me alone. It's kind of that, that way. Shua is wealth. And this, it is four letters, but I mean, it's it's not a noun. I mean, excuse me, it's not a, a verb. There's, it's odd. Sometimes you see a word if... You conjugate it; it looks like another. It has another word in it. But if you unconjugate, it, take the actual uh, infinitive of it, the infinitive verb, it becomes a different word altogether. But so they they were telling you basically, shua comes from shava, wealth comes from to cry out or to shout. But shua is actually related to yeshua, which comes from yasha, to save. It looks, I mean, it, to look at how it's written, you would say, oh, it's almost the same word. It's just kind of a <laughs> neat name. Hmm. Um, cool. So I went back and followed Midian in itself just through scripture. Okay. Here. Let's, I guess let's look and see what, because this is why I trace a word out through context to see when if it shows up in 30 different places in scripture, Mm-hmm. What is the overall surrounding concepts that are the ideas that are surrounding that thing or that person or whatever it is? If you're looking up the word white, what concepts are really surrounding it in in the Bible? If you're looking up the word blood, what really surrounds that throughout the whole Bible? Right. And it kind of gives you a, a concept. Of, so following Midian, let's see if it would be good to call yourself a Midianite or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, starting in Genesis 36, 35. Husham died, and Hadad, the son of Badad, who defeated Midian in the in the country of Moab, reigned in his place. The name of the city being Avith. So this is uh, in the lineages of uh, Esau's descendants. If you follow it like person to person to person to person through those descendants, the way it's written down, you you can't say that every single one of these guys are descendants of Esau. It's just it's some disjointed written down stuff, really. <laughs> but either way, just a, a mention there, Midian in the country of Moab. Whoever this guy is, he defeated Midian, that being the people in the country of Moab. Moab, and if you look at a map again, you always need to read the Bible with a map nearby. <laughs> I'll say that. That's personal belief, but. Okay, it's so at the bottom of the Dead Sea. Basically, if you look at the Dead Sea and you go uh, south and east, that is the general area, kind of at the bottom of the Dead Sea there, where Moab would have been. So just saying that Midian is up that close still to Israel at the first mention there. 
Moses flees to Midian when running from Pharaoh, Exodus 2.15. He met a priest of Midian there with seven daughters, one named Zipporah, whom he married. Interesting to me here, if you follow this, Numbers 22.7. Later, when Israel is parked in the plains of Moab, they're back in that, this area again, Balak, the son of Zippor, contracts together with Midian to pay Balaam to curse Israel. So Balak is the son of Zippor. Zippor, Zipporah. Zipporah, just a female version of the same name. So the priest of Midian names his daughter Zipporah. Here is this uh, king of Moab. His, his father's name was Zippor. He contracts also with Midian. So Moab and Midian are getting together to try and curse Israel. Uh, Numbers 27 10 through 18, Cosby, the daughter of Zur, a tri- he's a, he is a tribal head of Midian. Uh, Cosby died with Zimri, the son of Silo, by the spear of Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron. So she was part of the bait and lure against <coughs> Israel from the pact of Moab and Midian. Moab and Midian get together. They want to lead Israel astray or curse them. This tribal head of Midian allows his daughter to be among some of the women that go in to try and lead the Israel astray. So, so far, Midian's not looking real holy right. and clean and pure and <laughs> light and good. <laughs> uh, let's see. three. These three scriptures, the ones we just named, which is Genesis 36, 35, Numbers 22, 7, Numbers 27, 10 through 18. These three scriptures demonstrate the expansion and the relations of Midian. They stretch from near Moab to near Egypt in the different, you know, different areas. They share language qualities with Moab. So just, just saying how kind of related they are to that area, that gives you kind of idea where they are. <clears throat> Numbers 31, the Lord told Moses to go to war against Midian, not Moab. So when the whole Balaam deal is done, God's not telling them to go against uh, Moab. And if you remember... He told them, don't mess with Moab, don't mess with Edom. I gave the land they have, I gave it to them. None right. of it's going to be yours. Yeah. But he did say, go to war against Midian, and they did. And they were led by Phinehas into battle. They killed Zur, who was the, the king who had sent his daughter in, Zipporah, or she, what her, her name was Cosby. They killed Zur and four other Midian kings. They took all the flocks and the herds and kept all the virgins. They killed all the other women and every single male from child to man. So God was not thinking that Midian was like a, hey, you should name your Bible study group Midian. (laughs) (laughs) He was not really saying that was a great thing. Judges 6 through 9, that's like all 6 through 9 chapters, Midian was oppressing Israel. This is the whole reason that Gideon was raised up to judge, or to be a judge, uh, to lead Israel against Midian. So again, not friendly with the people of God. And uh, last one is First Kings eleven eighteen. The first place they're mentioned in the histories, Kings and Chronicles, it is uh, Kings and Chronicles both. It is the story of Hadad the Edomite fleeing from the land of Midian from David and Joab. He was retained in Egypt from childhood and raised up by God to be an adversary to Solomon. So this chapter starts with uh, the, the the chapter of. First Kings eleven eighteen. It starts with 
Now Solomon loved many women. So you kind of see Midian linked with many women leading the people of God astray. Hmm. Midian is linked with trying to pay for curses against the people of God. Well, I was just reading as you were talking uh, Judges, like you talked about Judges 6 through 9 yeah. and uh, chapter 8. Um, I'm going to read, I'm going to start at verse 23. Uh, Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And Gideon said to them, let me make a request of you. Every one of you give the, give me the earrings from his spoil. And in parentheses, for they had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So he's talking to the Midians here. And I just thought that phrase was a little interesting that um, they were Ishmaelites. I can't lay eyes on the verses and I didn't hear you when you said it long ago. What verse uh, is it? Verse 24. Thank you. Specifically. <clears throat> Let's see. I have a note there back to 21. <laughs> Back to verse 21, my note is because of the earrings. So then Zeba and Zalmona said, rise, uh, rise yourself and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zalmona, and he took the crescent ornaments that were on the necks of their camels. Crescent ornaments on the camels of Ishmaelites. Mm. This is related to a moon god, most likely, mm. who became... Allah. Mm. Just, I just made note there one day. I thought, huh, crescent ornaments. Mm. Why would you make that? But that was anyway. interesting. Is Allah's a moon god, isn't he? Or, well, they will not say he's a moon god now, but I, I, I think mean, that the name was Ilah then, but it was a moon god. And that's why there are moons on top of the mosque. I mean, it's not <laughs> a, it's not being hidden. So, Mm, <clears throat> Plus, I mean, if you're going to start a religion, you got to have a good symbol, right? <laughs> yeah, well, ours is the cross, I guess. The cross, the six pointed star, the, <laughs> the yin yang. Yeah. Everybody's got to coexist, right? That's right. Everyone <laughs> be good to be excellent to one another. <laughs> As Bill and Ted said. <laughs> they had it right all along. Excellent. Who knew? Who knew? You're gonna you need to insert some air guitar right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's all I have on them. You wanna kill Abraham finally? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Bam! Kill Abraham. <laughs> Genesis twenty five seven. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, hundred and seventy five years. Verse 9, Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Verse 10, with Sarah, his wife. Verse 11, after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son. So I just want to go through Abraham. How many years? Who buried him? Where was, who he was buried with? Yeah. And uh, what God did afterwards as far as who he passed his blessing on to. It's, we're just getting the same thing we've been getting. Sure. Uh Let's see. It's curious to me, but it's it's got to be somewhere, I guess, if it's going to be anywhere in the Bible, right? <laughs> so the text right here, even though it's saying that God blesses uh, Isaac, it takes a break for just a minute from the narrative that's going straight forward from Abraham, mentioning of how many years his sons buried him with his wife, where, 
And then Isaac's blessed. Instead of going on with Isaac, it takes a sidetrack for a minute and goes over to Ishmael and says, here's the years of Ishmael. Uh, okay. And then gives you his his son's names, etc. How old he was when he died. This thing is, It's kind of neat that it's there. It needs to be mentioned. So <clears throat> let's see. Abraham dies when Ishmael is 89 years old. He lives 48 more years. Isaac is 75 when Abraham dies. So kind of neat there to put them all together. I, did we say it last time? I'm not sure. I we're, we're coming up on it. Jacob and Esau, how old they are when Abraham dies. You can kind of see that he knew them for a while. Yeah. 2519? Sure. Let's hit it. Hit it. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac. That's just 2519. This starts a section which, if you look through the uh, the Hebrew Bible, you'll if you come to the very first page, first verse, first chapter, it's going to be called Bereshit, which is the title of the book. I mean, that's uh, the Hebrew word for Genesis, what we call Genesis. So it means in the head or in the beginning. But it doesn't wait until... Exodus to give us some other new name for a section. So it breaks up these sections. So let's see, what is it? God tells Abraham to go. That section, which is Genesis 12, is called Leklika, which is the first word, first main words that are there. Um, Genesis 18, it's called Vayere, or Vayera, which means uh, the appearance. God appears to Abraham. So you kind of break the sections down from the beginning. God said, go. God appeared to Abraham. Next section is Sarah's death. Genesis 23 is that section is called Chaye Sarah. Just the, the life of Sarah was X amount of years. Hmm. So you have a little section like that here and there. So this section is called the Toledot, which means generations. Uh, it comes from Yalad, meaning to bear or to bring forth or to beget, to birth, to be born. So is this the first place that Toledot is mentioned? No, which is what I thought would I mean, kind of, it proves its own point in a second here once we say it. It was used to describe the Toledot of heaven and earth, Genesis 2. But that section is not called Toledot, right? Mm. It proceeds on to tell us next time it appears, Genesis 5, it tells us about uh, Adam's Toledot. It goes on to Noah's Toledot in 6 and 10. It heads towards Shem's Toledot in Genesis 11. And chapter 11 ends up with the Toledot of Terah, which is Abraham's dad. I've seen this before, but I forgot about it until I was looking at this again. It's never mentioned Abraham's Toledot. It's not said that way in a particular verse the way these other ones are. Hmm. Just uh, odd. It it uh, it has uh, Terah, Terah's Toledot, which is his dad, and then afterwards it goes into uh, Ishmael and, and Isaac's individual Toledot. But the section out of all these choices that the Hebrew Bible chooses to list as a whole section, which is called a Toledot, is Isaac's. <laughs> it's the one we're going to follow as far as, what you know, the Jews look at it and say, we're going to follow this out of all the lineages we have so far. Yeah. 
to say that from Abraham, we're trickling down to what's what's heading towards the actual Toledo that matters. Right. Which, I mean, we can hash this argument over again and again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all I had on that. I was going to head off on uh, Isaac and Rebecca having Jacob and Esau. That's fine. What you got? I'm good for a little while. You're good for a little while? Yeah. So I listen to these podcasts <laughs> later on, I think, Mark, just let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few things, but, I mean, most of my stuff is a little bit, um, like, uh, for example, in verse 20, you know, when um, Jacob and Esau are about to be born and there's that struggle, that's kind of where I began oh, good, Time out of time on that. Okay, so so I'll, I guess I'll be talking a little bit more to that part. Okay, you jump in when uh, when they're born. Tell me <laughs> the struggle of them in the womb or the struggle of their actual birth story. Both. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll be leading into the the womb for a second, and then you take it. Um. So anyway, like I said a while ago, it's kind of odd to me that it is heading on this uh, narrative of Abraham's whole deal, and then it sidetracks over to Ishmael's. You know, generations and his death and how many years, et cetera, names all of his sons. It tells you they, I guess we could throw this in with Abraham's other sons that we just talked about too. This is Genesis 25. Where, where did I just see that? 2518, ending Ishmael's section. They settled from, and he's talking about his sons, they settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. He settled over all, against all his kin. This kind of goes along with what uh, the Lord told Hagar at the the well about him uh, always being over against or like a wild donkey, yeah, being against his brothers. So, but it goes back to the narrative of Isaac, and he and Rebecca were married when Isaac was forty. Isaac marries Rebecca when he's forty, right? They had Jacob at sixty. Abraham knew Jacob and Esau until they were teenagers, fifteen years old. So he died when they were just getting their license. <laughs> uh, it was, it's, I guess it's kind of odd to me, too. If you look at it, uh, Abraham would have been watching his son go through the same thing that he went through. God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a son of your own from your wife. And they went through that whole deal. And then after Isaac's born, becomes a man of his own with his own wife. Abraham watches his son go through it for 20 years. Kind of kind of odd. I mean, yeah. uh, so does this strike Abraham as being God's normal mode of operation? <laughs> or is it odd that it's the same same thing happening in his son's life? Promise his sentence, bless his son and his line in particular, and then not give many sons. <laughs> Make him wait for a while. So Genesis 25, 19 I'll hit 20 and up. Uh, let's see, 25, 19, 22, and 23 is what I'll read here. Can I, can I break it for a second? Go ahead. I'm just, uh, do you remember the phrase or the word, um, how it uh, talks about the, uh, the does it does it say anything in the Bible about the differences between Isaac and Ishmael? Like, um, we talked about the mocking and the laughing, but was it just because... The reason, well, let me let me say this. And then, yeah. Um, so you have uh, Esau and Jacob who are you know battling as well. Reading second, and then before them you have Isaac and Ishmael. Um, were they kind of in that in that same parallel as far as battling you have two sons battling? 
one creates or one group ends up following Ishmael, the other follows Isaac and Jacob. Um, so you know what I mean? Like there's this constant division among uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't Jacob. see, and this is my opinion, <clears throat> but I don't see Ishmael and, and Isaac hating each other and backbiting and conniving against one another. and Like Jacob. And, like Jacob and Esau. Yeah, okay. I don't see them pulling a, a deal on each other. And yeah, I couldn't remember the words the really. Because, I mean, basically, Ishmael went with Hagar. They were sent off. Hagar raised Ishmael and... He came back at Abraham's death, and yeah. and him and Isaac both buried their father as a sign of respect. So it didn't seem like there was any kind of animosity or um, even hatred um, from Ishmael towards Isaac. Yeah, but well, um, one thing I had seen in some notes I had I was reading about this later on with uh, Jacob and Esau. Am I losing my train of thought? I think it was that potato chip. <laughs> uh, oh, there is a blessing for Ishmael. There is also a blessing for Esau. Even though it's a lesser blessing in both cases, there is a blessing for each one of them. Maybe for it. Maybe, and Ishmael is a different man yeah. than what Esau is. Right. So being a different man, you never know. But, of course, Esau, in the end, I think his hatred and his animosity towards Jacob it's funny that Jacob would be the blessed one of God, but as he comes back with his wives and his kids, et cetera, he meets Esau. He's scared to death to meet him, but <laughs> Esau's chilled. Yeah. He's actually kind of satisfied possibly with life. May not be the wives that, that Isaac and Rebecca wanted him to have, but he seems to be chill. Like, you know, I got a lot of women, I got a lot of kids, and I got a lot of flocks, and I'm fine. <laughs> won't you come? Yeah. Won't you come stay with me, Jacob? <clears throat> so Jacob is the one that actually has. It's, I mean, as far as scripture shows who they are, yeah, he's the one who really has all the internal issues. It seems. I it, it was always interesting because you have um, the hatred. Um, I don't say well, the division between um, Islam and Judaism, or Christianity, and the split with Ishmael and Jacob. Which yeah. that's that's the interesting thing is, one follows Ishmael, which was the brother of Isaac. And one follows Jacob, which is the son of Isaac. Yeah. So I, I always thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, why didn't God make it Jacob and Ishmael as the brothers and Isaac and Esau? Because there, it doesn't seem like yeah. Esau is like the main, at the moment, Esau's um, descendants are not the main enemy of Israel. No. It seems like it's the Ishmaelites who are the main enemy of Israel. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, I even mind. up to Joseph being sold, he sold to Midianite traders who are Ishmaelites. Yeah. So there's some crossing over there, but I think also Esau possibly is ticked off about some of the stuff we're going to read tonight. And, you know, he goes and gets these uh, wives from the Hittites and he goes to Ishmael to get some wives also. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. He goes to yeah. Ishmael. So I, I wonder if maybe it's not just a matter of on Jacob and Esau. Excuse me, Jacob and Isaac, if it's just a matter of descendancy, and if on Esau and Ishmael, if it's just a, a matter of, uh, I, I'm more like my uncle, <laughs> so I'm going to go hang out with at his house. No, hey, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
I look more like my uncle really than my my own, own dad. I look more like mom, but as a, a male, I look more like my mom's brother, Walker. Uh, yeah, there's uh, some old pictures of him when he was visiting mom and dad uh, back in, let's see, I was born 76. My brother's five years older, 72. So this had to be in the 70s sometime. My brother's lucky in the picture. He's He's about four or five years old, maybe. But I wasn't there yet, but my uncle looks like me sitting there in my 20s <laughs> with long hair and a beard and butterfly <laughs> collar and bell bottoms and smoking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you dress like that and take it, a picture. And- yeah. <laughs> uh, either way, I, I, maybe he just, just was like his uncle. Almost like uh, now, I mean, we have some nieces and nephews now that uh, – like us or favor us or whatever, but there's uh, one girl, uh, the youngest, who's still at home, not in school yet, with her sister, my wife's sister. She'll get on the iPad and FaceTime my wife. So even though she lives in Virginia, she is hanging out with my wife, this little this little niece. She's mm. hanging out with her every single day, all the time. Mm. And she'll just put her, her iPad up on the, the coffee table there while she's drawing stuff and then show it to mm. aunt. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know. I'm just making making a point that uh, there's some there's some relationships between in some families between sure. nieces and aunts and nephews and uncles. Maybe that's all it is right here. But yeah, you're right. He does follow his whole way of being and, and thinking. Where were we? Oh, we were going back to uh, Genesis 25 just to read through for a second. Yeah. Uh, These are the Toledot of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. You were going to take it here. Well, there was one one question I had before I get into my stuff because I tried to follow this and I could not find. There might not be. There might be zero significance whatsoever. But uh, nations and peoples are two different words in the Hebrew, and I didn't. Goyim and Amim. Oh uh, goodness! I think one. I think the one of them's Goyim because I thought it was surprising that Goyim is nations and. Um. I can't pronounce uh, the word for peoples. Let me get where I'm supposed to be on my. Yeah, I can't read that. Translations and what verse are we in there? 23. I'll edit all this out. Yeah, because I just know I'm wasting a lot of time there. No, you're fine. I, I didn't mean I, I forgot. I was going to bring this up. Because I couldn't really find any. Uh, I was just wondering why they used the two different words. Leom. 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 Because they both kind of mean <clears throat> people or nation or. Um is related to uh, mom, which um, like uh, Lot's daughter named one of her, one of the daughters named her son. Ben Oni or Ben Ben Ami Ami Am 
is mom, is people or nation. E is my. So Ben is son, son of my people. Ben Oni or Ben Ben Oni. Okay. I keep saying Oni. I'm sorry. Oni's a Korean sister. <laughs> <laughs> so is people just like possessive? Uh, let me look back into the actual verse because I'm looking at an individual word there. I think you could probably say this too is like a Hebrew style of almost a poetic style of writing to say the same thing with two different words. Mm. I know when I, and you probably do too. I know when I'm writing something on my own. If I want to say the same thing multiple times, I will, a lot of times in my, uh, my notepad or my, what's this, what's this thing called? Notes, little program pages. In my pages, I will go ahead and type the word out that I want to say, and then I'll highlight it and look and look at the definition up if I can get a synonym out for it <laughs> to simply cut down on redundancy. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of times, Scripture, you know, will constantly repeat the same thing over and over again to, em- to emphasize a point. To emphasize a point, but change and use different words. Possibly, I'm, I'm guessing on this, though, sure. to, to do away with redundancy of the same exact word again and again. Except, let's look in this verse. I think I saw the word leomim, or leom, one, two, three times. <laughs> so they weren't trying to do do away with too much repetition there. <laughs> <laughs> two people from... Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one, okay. When it says the one shall be stronger than the than the other, mm-hmm. they use singular leom for both of those. Vuleom mileom. So they're using singular for each of those to split them up. The first time it's it's plural though leomim. So. I can't say I know a difference in the two because usually, though, what struck me about this is that uh, goyim or goy is usually, it's a Yiddish word, I believe, primarily, but it's a Hebrew word for everybody who's not Jewish. This is what it means, Gentiles. That's why I thought it was funny that it would include uh, Jacob also in this. Uh, we'll go verse 22. The word struggle means to mistreat, to shatter, to strike down, oppress, to smash, to break open, likely in a physical fight. Uh, so I thought it was kind of interesting that that word is, is not just, um, you know, the, the phrasing there. I think it's more than just, you know, the baby kicked my stomach. I mean, Rebecca comes to the Lord and asks, why are these two kids fighting? I mean, she yeah. is feeling the the war, the the physical fighting already as infants in her stomach. It's not just a little kick here and there. So, um, and then God obviously responds that we just read that there are two people, two nations, um, in her stomach, and they're going to be divided, one stronger than the other. And God already tells Rebecca that the um, the older is going to be serving the younger. Right. So. Um, so we already know that whenever, as soon as the kids come out, who's going to be favored according right. to Rebecca. So, and you, you know, you find out later, Rebecca favors Jacob, Isaac favors Esau, and you find out why here, why would Rebecca favor uh, Jacob so much is because God told her that that's going to be the one 
uh, I guess that has God's right. stamp or God's blessing or um, whatever phrase you want to put it in I there. I found it. I hadn't thought of it myself, but I found it in a, a rabbinic comment that she didn't see when Jacob says, uh, I'm going to get a curse. And if he finds out talking about Isaac, when he mm-hmm. goes in there to try to steal this blessing, yeah. I'm going to get a curse. If, if he finds this out, she didn't say it's okay before you were born. God told me <laughs> she didn't, she didn't tell none of that at all. She just says, uh, curse be on me. Just go ahead. You're going to do this. <laughs> like, why would you just go ahead and say, no, it's okay. God, God's setting this up. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that a little bit more with the birthright because there's, I think there's a little bit of difference with the blessing and the birthright. Um, obviously, Esau came out and was red and hairy. Uh, his name means red, right? Um, Adam. Adam means red. Esau means hairy. Okay. And I believe his, his name is also associated with uh, the word Edom. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. So. The only um, difference in Edom and Adam is the vowel marks. Oh. And Edom is where Esau ended up living. So, Well, you won't think of this. That place became Edom because he moved there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He took it. Here's a funny thing, though. He took it from Seir the Horite, Horite <laughs> being like a mountaineer guy. He took the land of Seir. Seir is uh, grammatically related to Sa'ar. Which is hairy. <laughs> so R is the basis of Esau. Hmm. So his name means Harry. He takes it from a guy who basically has a different version of his own name. It'd <laughs> that's be like funny. John going to the house of Jonathan. Yeah, that's and funny. Taking his stuff. Sticking <laughs> <laughs> him out and taking his stuff. And then obviously we know Edom it becomes a enemy of Israel. Right. Eventually. So because they ate the red beans. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat red beans. Don't eat red beans. You make a lot of enemies. <laughs> that is true in a way. <laughs> Tomorrow, that is, that's a good point. Put on a t-shirt. Um, obviously, the second child was Jacob or Jacob or however you want to pronounce it. Yep. Um, it means he he protects. I think. And um, uh, the second part of Jacob's name means could mean to watch from behind. Um, Jacob without the beginning. So um, mm-hmm. his name could also mean one who grabs the hill. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we get that point of where he's grabbing the hill. So both their names have more meaning than their physical appearance. Um, but uh, the future, as God told Rebecca, um, we know what happens with Jacob and Esau. Like David just said, that was kind of interesting how his name kind of um, – characterizes who he is or who he's going to be. Yeah. Um, he's not just red. He's not just Harry, but he's going after a guy that is Harry and he's so, <clears throat> yeah. and he eats red beans or he wants red beans. And so there's a lot of <laughs> significance with Esau. Um, Esau was a skillful hunter and Jacob, it, it says Jacob was quiet and uh, pretty much sat in tents. That's what he did. He's one of those guys that didn't like to get his fingernails dirty. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, he's, he's his mama's son, so yeah. she don't want to I was everything. mama's boy, though. I was, too. So, <laughs> so um, I put Esau went out and took with his own hands, but Jacob sat in protection and waited. So um, I think it kind of um, eventually spiritualizing it a little bit is, you know, we can take matters into our own hands, go out and rely on our own skill, rely on our own selves to provide for ourselves. 
and then we or we could just simply hide under God's shelter and wait for him to provide. And I'm not saying we don't go out and do work yeah. because I mean the Bible's against laziness, obviously, but what I'm saying is there's a difference between um, you know, you praying about something and you're saying, Screw it, God's not answering. I'm I need going. I need I'm I'm doing it now. I'm doing I it. I think anyway. they call that Hagar. <laughs> I mean, we've already talked about this. You're yeah. right though. So uh I told Corwin last night, this is uh, for you, the listener, this is Thursday night, so it's after Wednesday night <laughs> class. Yeah, uh, We were talking about hearing the voice of God, and uh, Corwin is a young man in there who I told Mark after he spoke, even though we have some wise, older Christian men in there who said some correct things, biblical things. Corwin is actually one of the newer believers who said one of the most wise things, which was, in so many words, summed up, stand still and shut up and <laughs> yeah, wait to hear for God. Yeah. And he's he's talking about that spiritually in a spiritual sense. But after we watched the video, at the end, he's talking about his job. What did he say? He said, I'm standing around because that's what the company wants me to do. Stand around and watch other people to learn from them. Stand around and shut up and listen. I said, you really, I talked to him afterwards. I said, do you realize you're doing in your real work life what you said you're supposed to be doing spiritually or what you're already doing spiritually? That's cool, yeah. But either that's way. That's pretty neat. Kind of just echoes along with what you just said. And I agree with you. You're not saying don't go work. But this story, if you follow the, your example out, who gets blessed by God? <laughs> yeah, kind of hard to deny. Um, and obviously, uh, verse 28, um, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And we just kind of mentioned possibly the reason why. And I do wonder if... The reason why Isaac left Esau was because he just enjoyed his food. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac went and did the hunting and Jacob didn't apparently. So, you know, the guy that the son that's feeding you or bringing you meals to eat, you're like, well, th- this son's doing stuff. This son's yeah. you know, providing. So, yeah, I tend to think that's why. Um, this is the uh, third place that Ahab love shows up in the Bible. We talked about this when we discussed Genesis 22, I believe. But Genesis 22, the first place uh, it comes in the story, the father loves the son. Mm-hmm. Is it Genesis 24 when they get a, a wife for Rebecca? Yeah, they get yeah. Rebecca for Isaac. Yes. Yeah, 24. That's the second place, and the son loves the, the bride or loves the wife. And right here, the father, <laughs> this really shows us the love of man. It's divided. <laughs> so the father yeah. loves the son. The son loves the bride. And man is picky and chooses you over who he loves and doesn't love. <laughs> Good point. Anyway. You always get that question of who do you who do you love? You know, kids, who do you love yeah. more? And, well, here, I mean, the Bible, Isaac loved one and the dad loved one and the mother loved the other. So yeah. um, there is that. There's always that. There's that division already starting. Yeah. Um, even with the kids, it's dividing their parents. It's dividing the household. So. Yeah. Uh, get into the birthright. Sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'll just read uh, the rest of 25, starting at 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, some of your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is the birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. This 
Thus Esau despised his birthright. So birthright importance. Uh, the birthright belonged to the eldest or the firstborn in the Hebrew family. Um, what the birthright signified was that whoever had their birthright would be the father's authority or have the father's responsibility in the case of the father being absent. Um, there were tablets discovered. Um, I can't remember the time frame, but there were ancient tablets discovered to show that the birthright could be exchanged among members of the same family. Um, huh. it, it meant uh, birthright meant that it was an honor of family leadership. Um, it was an inheritance of twice the amount received by the other sons, meaning other sons received an inheritance. Other other sons received an inheritance, but um, this one just happened to receive the double because he was a firstborn. So if you had five sons, you would divide your inheritance six ways, and the oldest son gets two of the six. Yes. Yeah. Um, if polygamy was in place. Polygamy. Um, <laughs> that's where you fold uh, cardboard, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Kids. Oh, origami, never yeah, mind. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Um, and polygamy, it belonged to the firstborn of the father and could not be transferred to the son of another wife without a just cause. And that's in Deuteronomy 21, 15 through 17. Hmm. Uh, so for all you Mormons out there, and you can read Deuteronomy 21. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty much done. <laughs> um, the birthright would not belong to the firstborn of the father if the mother was a concubine or a slave. Um, if the father was king, then the birthright meant he would be obviously the next in line of the throne. Um, king uh, Rehoboam of Judah violated this. He made, um, I can't pronounce his name, Abijah, A-B-I-J. Abijah? Yeah. Yeah. He made him as his successor, and it wasn't the firstborn. So um, God obviously dealt Solomon with Solomon wasn't the firstborn either. That's true. And Rehoboam, was he the firstborn? Of Solomon? So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the second Chronicles 11, 18 through 23. And obviously, you know, in the New Testament, Christians are warned not to throw away their inheritance um, of the spiritual blessing the way Esau lost his birthright. Meaning, um, you know, Esau came and um, he was just exhausted, tired. Um, if I remember right, that word exhausted um, in the Hebrew is actually. Um, used as a metaphor of being t- of uh, extreme tiredness, famished. Let's see. Are you f- faint, exhausted, weary? Where did I get that metaphor from? I mean, that meta- yeah, metaphor. Strong's not oh. showing a metaphor, so oh. it's up to you. Where, uh, where he says, "I'm about to die." The phrase looks like it's uh, a huh. metaphor. So he's obviously not going to die. He's just really tired and hungry. Well, like we're hungry enough to eat a horse. Well, that's a good point. Whoever <laughs> eats a horse and whoever's hungry enough to eat a horse. Yeah. I don't know. Not me. Not I. Well, it depends. If you put it in the air fryer, I might get eat it. <laughs> <laughs> you need a bigger horse. I mean, a bigger air fryer. I do need a bigger air fryer. I just need a bigger air fryer in general. <laughs> so, I, Or I'll be making red beans and soup or something. But uh, get your birthright. Get your birthright here. So um, Esau saw the birthright of no significance, really. Um, Obviously, you know, he put it in the terms of if he died, what good is it? Which is true. Um, He didn't say anything that wasn't uh, extreme or um, that wasn't real. So 
but the but because he gave his birthright over so easily for some food is showing that he didn't have he he didn't seem like he put much value to his birthright. Yeah. I mean, just for one meal. I mean, if you're going to say your birthright, why not say, "Hey, feed me now and feed me for on a year." At least make a deal. Yeah, make a deal. Yeah. So, like, uh, get me a, a gift card for Hardee's for <laughs> six months or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't. So I don't think Esau saw it as a value, and I think Jacob saw it as a value. Right. That's, that's pretty much. Uh, that's Mark's opinion. You heard it here. <laughs> that's my opinion. I'm sick of do it. Dadgummit. Let's see. Uh, it's, it's kind of skipping some things I wanted to get at, so we'll go back to it. Let's go ahead and look at uh, the blessing of Isaac, the link between food and covenant oaths and blessings, because I did a little bit later work about food because of Isaac uh, asking Esau to go to get some game and bring him some food so that he can bless him. So that's why I'm thinking like, oh, food and stuff. Let's, let's look through that a little bit just to see what the, shows up. The red man liked the red stew. That's right. So. The red hairy guy. <laughs> you just don't want to have hair in your red stew. I'm say, did he like hairy in his stew? <laughs> or did he, did he just like hairy stew? Hairy stew? It's a new song. It's a girl I once knew. Harry Sue. <laughs> love you. If you're listening out there, I love you, Harry Sue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's... I love you, Harry Sue. <laughs> okay. So, uh, food through food connected to covenants, oaths, and blessings. Through Genesis 2 and 3, eating and not eating are tied up to a covenant between man and God or the breaking thereof. So it is the means, eating, it's the means by which the serpent convinces Eve to break the covenant, and it's the means by which Adam seals the deal. So, yeah, I know it's like a needle in a haystack, but keep keep following me. <laughs> well, that is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you don't really see, Adam when and you Eve. look at that, like that's tied together to a covenant. But Yeah, like Adam and Eve uh, looked at food. And gave up their birthright with God yep. for their... They so. got their birthright to rule the the earth. They yeah. were the firstborn. They were the king of the, of the world. All they had to do was just <laughs> not do this. <laughs> yeah, the one thing. One thing. The one thing. Okay, so let's see how fat falls on out. Uh, I think that there's not a whole lot of negative ones. More of them are positive ones. So like this, Genesis 9, eating flesh without the blood is mentioned. That's food. It's mentioned in Noah's covenant. Genesis 14, Abraham refuses a covenant with the king of Sodom, accepting only what food his men have already eaten of the spoils. So saying, you're, if you remember, he said, I'm not going to have you saying later on, you made Abraham rich. Genesis 18, Abraham and Sarah make a meal for the Lord and his two angels. The Lord makes a covenant with him for the birth of Isaac in one year. Then Abraham seeks to strike a deal with God for the sake of Sodom. So after this meal, God's like, I'm making a deal with you and Sarah. Isaac's coming next year. And Abraham's like, well, can I make a deal with you? So, I mean, we just had a, we has had some food, right? It's like, can I make a deal with you? Genesis 19, about Sodom or in Sodom. Lot invites the two angels in and makes a meal for them. They are already under oath from the Lord to bring out any righteous they find. So 
Lot actually kind of comes in the by being righteous and inviting them in to get them out of the square because he was told them basically this is a dangerous place. Brings them in, gives them a meal. He's showing a hospitality there, but in doing that, uh, he is falling under the oath that they are under with the Lord to say, "I'm bringing out," or they are bringing out everybody who's righteous. Mm. So it's just a meal being shared there, involved with an oath. Genesis twenty-four. Abraham's servant will not eat. I had to go back and read that again. Something like, "Am I seeing that right?" He will not eat with Rebecca's family until he explains his oath with his master and proposes a covenant with her family. He demands an answer first. This is Genesis 24, 49. Let's see what that says exactly. Just uh, now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right or to the left. Uh, let's see. Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad. Behold, Rebecca is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son. As the Lord has spoken. 52. When Abraham's servant heard the words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry and silver. Let's see. Get to the point here, David. Verse 54. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank. And they spent the night there. He demanded an answer first, though, about the covenant that he's been, or the the covenant and the oath he's been put under. And after they give him an answer, uh, he eats with them. So kind of sealing the deal again. Genesis 25, Esau here again. Esau breaks covenant through eating. Genesis 26, Isaac makes a meal for Abimelech, and they make a covenant. Genesis 27, Isaac requests a meal to be prepared for him to give a blessing to Esau, which is what we are basically looking at right there. With uh, We hadn't really read that yet. Genesis 28, Jacob pours a drink offering out to God. <laughs> this is kind of funny to me. You see the conniving way that Jacob makes deals. <laughs> he pours a drink offering out instead of making a meal. He pours a drink offering out to God and requests that a covenant or oath from God be made that he will always provide food for him. <laughs> uh, we see Jacob. Yeah, that's that's kind of on the note I had added on there. His his way of doing deals. He kind of tries to pull one on God, really. I mean, it seems like that to me. Yeah. Uh, anything else you got on food? I was just thinking, I mean, you got the Passover communion. You want to tell you chip? <laughs> <laughs> Dave's eating chips now. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, you have that Passover communion, the food before. Um, you know, fast forward to New Testament. You know, we yeah. talked about it. Jesus cooking the fish and um, making that covenant with the disciples about, hey, it's time to, you know, go back out. And Isn't that when he reinstates his covenant with Peter? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I hadn't talked about that. I hadn't even applied it in this New Testament. I just I just stopped it while you're talking about it. So so yeah, there's there's some good significance of people sharing a meal together and eating together and having a covenant together. So next time we eat, we should make a covenant of something. Next time we eat, we're gonna make a covenant that we uh, <laughs> promise to clean our plates. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> we're gonna make happy plates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to go back towards. Hold on here. What's the heading to get the idea? Famine comes and Isaac moves to Gerar. You no, know, just back up real, real quick. 
if Esau was a skillful hunter and obviously he knew the area mm-hmm. and he's been hunting a while, how is it that this one day he just can't find anything? Well, he did find something. He just didn't find it as fast as as uh, Rebecca sent Jacob to the flock to get something they already got on hand. Yeah, he did. He did bring something eventually, just not. Well, just he he came hungry. I mean, oh, well, yeah. oh you're yeah. talking about a whole different day. Yeah. You're yeah, right. Sorry, you're right. I'm just thinking if you're skillful and you're always bringing food constantly, there's this one day that you just cannot find a single thing. Maybe he was out hunting beans. <laughs> Man, where's those red beans at? <laughs> Jacob has some. I'll just go home. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, bean hunting. Or maybe he's a vegetarian. He just never ate anything he killed. Why would you want to be a vegetarian? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just trying to make sense of the whole thing. But anyway, go back to what you were saying. <laughs> Sorry. Genesis 26.1. Now... There was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. So I guess uh, I've got a couple of different points I want to follow off of Gerar. Okay. But uh, just kind of looking at Isaac have, uh, and his reaction here, what he does during a famine. I don't think he's running from the famine either. It appears like he's actually still staying with the the area that he's been told by his father and by God, this is going to be your your land. And we do see uh, God in twenty six two telling Isaac, "Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you." So he's kind of like, "I didn't tell your dad not to go, and I don't want that all to happen again." So <laughs> I'm telling you, don't go. Stay right here. Uh, famine. This is the, let's see, Raab. The first mention is Abraham's famine, which this verse makes reference back to Genesis twelve ten. Uh, he failed to trust God for provision, and it all led to Hagar and Ishmael. Then he tells him here, this is second mention, I believe, if I remember right, uh, don't go down to Egypt, stay right here, I'm going to take care of you. Isaac moved to Gerar. If we follow out this paragraph, Isaac settles in Gerar. So it does look like he moved to to Gerar, and then God says, let's see, he moved to Gerar in verse 1. God says, don't go down to Egypt in verse 2. And a couple more verses down, basically, at the end of this whole ordeal, he settles there. So he obviously did listen to God. But he tells the same lie that old Abraham told to Pharaoh and to Abimelech, Genesis 12 and Genesis 20. So the Hebrew play on words here. Let's see if I can get the words out. Uh, Yitzhak Mezakak. It's the same basic word. Yitzhak, which is his name. Mezakak. Or Mezakak. So it's just, it, I mean, it doesn't sound like much to us. But it's just, uh, I do see this kind of thing in scripture looking at Hebrew language. That you'll have a bunch of words in the same string of the same sentence. Which are tied together looking like they're just a bunch of different conjugations of the same word either way uh, uh, Yitzhak or Isaac means he laughs so it's related to the the idea of laughing having a good time Mesak is in my rabbinic notes it was translated as fondling so Abimelech looks out the window one day and sees Isaac Mesak Rebecca (laughs) (laughs) he says 
That's your wife. I mean, they weren't just laughing and having a good time. Mm. They were having a good time. (laughs) And laughing later. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, uh, let's see. Something I came across with, and again, I I told Mark, if I get into dates and stuff, I find myself, when I'm trying to make notes, I find myself lost in a timeline. With a calculator on one, you know, one side of the app, iPad, and the other side's got some scripture and I'm, and we're Notepad. I'm just adding numbers and stuff. So, ooh, he knew this guy. Anyway, some historians argue that the Philistines didn't arrive in Canaan until about 1200 BC. Most historians don't even believe in BC anyway, so <laughs> doesn't really matter. But uh, the Torah records Abraham as having dealings with them back in Genesis 21:32 when Abimelech. Back there, Abimelech is recognized as going back to the land of the Philistines. So he's the king of Gerar, going back to the land of the Philistines. I think right here what we just read, yeah, as it went to Gerar to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. Is so, it the same king? I think it's the same king. And the reason, even though I think that might be a throne name, I think it's the same king because – uh, this king came to, let's see, what's the guy's name? Ahuzot? Ahuzat. Yeah. This king, Abimelech, came with Philcol. Philcol, he came with Philcol, who was his army commander, to see Abraham. Then he took Sarah. And then he's like, oh, man, this is messed up. Uh, God told me in a dream. Here's your <laughs> wife back. And get here. So the reason I think this might be the same guy, even if this is a, a throne name, he comes this time with Fikol, his army commander, and Ahuzath, who is his advisor. <laughs> and he doesn't take the wife. <laughs> this is my sister. And, and the advisor's like, that's his wife. I bet you anything is his wife. I've heard this before. <laughs> Do I know you? <laughs> well, my, my father's name's Abraham. Yeah, uh, don't take it. Don't take it. No. <laughs> okay. If you just keep watching him, you're going to find him laughing one day. <laughs> uh, anyway, mm. let's see. So I wanted to do a little bit of work because uh, if historians claim something, uh, something needs to be proved, I guess. If they're saying the Philistines came to Canaan about 1200 BC, you can follow Philistines out. They are not like uh, the other people in Canaan. They are actually maritime people or sailors. <clears throat> it's thought that they came from uh, across the Mediterranean near the Greek area or the Greek Isles. And they also have some, uh, I want to say this is what I studied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I studied a little bit for the very, very first uh, devotional we did for Luke. Mm-hmm. Let me jump back at that just a second. Here, devotionals, right there. The one with the skull on it. If you if you remember that one, yeah, that was the Philistines. So there's a whole bunch of different uh, records of these people all over Egypt, etc. I don't want to read the whole devotional, but let's see. The, the point I wanted to make was. Some of the writing 
Oh, they have proved not to be a subgroup of the Canaanite. Some of the writing they left has been connected not with Semitic languages, but with the Aegean alphabets of ancient Greek cultures like the Mycenaeans and the Minoans, all of which remain undeciphered languages. So, point the Philistines have like language or like letters uh, as the Mycenaeans and the, the Minoans. The Mycenaeans, you remember that was uh, Agamemnon. Some of the stories that Homer wrote down and bragged, you know, almost to reawaken Greek stuff, yeah. to, to bring back the old legends. So let's see. Lost my place here. Oh, the Philistines. Um, 1200 BC. Let's just, let's just just look through and see if there's how much difference there is in some of the dating that we're doing. Abraham was born. And we're going back through Adam forward, AF dating again, just to bring it back up. Because we have stated Abraham was born in 2009 repeatedly. Because I want you, the listener, to at least have one main good landmark <laughs> marked in your timeline mind. Abraham was born in 2009 from Adam. Isaac was born in 2109. Jacob and Esau were born in 2169. So I'm guessing they're around their 30s in the Red Bean story. If they were 31, that would be 2,200. It's a nice round number there for us. Okay, so we got to jump forward and work our way backwards to B.C. Nebuchadnezzar's army destroyed the temple in Jerusalem in 605 B.C. A.F. dating Adam forward from Adam all the way to the destruction of the temple is 3,665 years. So basically you add 3,665 and 605 from Adam to what we might call is uh, zero is 4270. So if the Philistines were supposedly, according to historians, if they showed up 1200 BC, 4270 minus 1200 gives us 3070. So just think 3000, your AF 3000. Abraham died uh, at 175 years old, what puts his death day or his death year in 2184, but Abraham knew Philistines. Isaac died at 180 years old because of his birth year. That puts his death in 2289. So that has a little bit of a gap between AF dating and the historian's BC dating, a gap of 780 years. Hmm. But historians used to say the Philistines never existed. Hmm. (laughs) Now they say they exist and they dispute the date they came. So I would probably go with the Bible who originally said the Philistines did exist and has originally already told us some dating (laughs) when they showed up. The historians will catch up later. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Kind of going through the same thing again here. 2612. This is the whole meeting, I believe. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. So he moved uh, down the hill a little ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I've read this before. I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't know why the Philistines would stop up wells that somebody else already dug. If it's kind of vacant and you, you, you're free to go mess with the well, why not just go get water out of it? Because the Philistines are stupid. <laughs> it seems like it. They're just big warrior guys. Give me food. <laughs> okay. yeah, they don't know how to kill anything. They just want food. That was very Viking-like of you. <laughs> Give well, me food. <laughs> but I did, uh, this is one thing. The other point I followed out of uh, Gerar. The power of Isaac measured through Gerar. Just the mentions of Gerar and what, what they show up and how it's related to what kind of shows. Okay, so here it goes. Gerar uh, is in the future. Judah. Excuse me. Let me read my notes here. <laughs> okay, Gerar is in future Judah, equidistant between Gaza and Ziklag. Just just giving a, a general area of where it's at. So you know it's in Judah. It's in the, uh, again, Isaac did not run to some place when the famine came. He's still in the land that he was told to stay. He's still in the land that becomes property of Israel in the future. Hmm. So here's the other thing. It's big enough to mention as a landmark in Genesis 10. Hmm. When Abraham sojourns there in Genesis 20, Abimelech is called the king of Gerar. So it's big enough to have a king. Isaac's time, he's called the king of the Philistines. Abimelech could be a title, uh, a, uh, a throne title. My father is king is what it means. Uh, Isaac settles here and becomes rich here. There's obviously, if you can become rich, there's, he, I mean, maybe his riches are all tied up in his flocks. Yeah, he could be out in the middle of nowhere and be considered rich then because they're just multiplying because that's what they do. Yeah. If you yeah. feed them grass and water, they'll just multiply. <laughs> that's right. And then you can just eat them and... <laughs> Never, you, you can air fry you, them. You never have a <laughs> you never have a famine. Famine. Well, the only time you'd have a famine in your meat is if your famine killed all the grass and your meat didn't have any grass to eat. That's, that's true. I think that's that may have you know you look at it if you're a, a herding farming kind of guy, you got a lot of flocks and sheep and donkeys and cows etc. Camels, and then a famine comes and you get and all the grass dries up. I, I do remember when we were in Kenya. When we went out to see the, uh, I just lost it. <laughs> they were not Maasai. Why did I lose the word? Hmm. We went out to see those people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Either way, they're, <laughs> they're young men who are the, the, the Moran, not morons. <laughs> they are the Moran. They are the guys that are at the age where they're taking care of the cows, the cattle. They were not around when we were there. There had been a dry spout or a dry spell, a drought for a while. A dry, that's what I said, a dry spout. <laughs> Nothing like a dry spout. But the reason they weren't there is they had the cows out looking for green grass. So kind of a big deal. I mean, yeah. you, it splits up families at this point because – uh these people stayed where they were while the young kids took out or the young men took out these cattle looking for the green grass. Hmm. How do we get on this? <laughs> that was me because we were talking about okay. the animals. Uh, so Isaac settles here, becomes rich here. Abimelech and his advisor and army commander go to Isaac and they make a covenant with him and declare something. 
pretty important here. Here's a Philistine king declaring something about Isaac. They said, we plainly see that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us. Let there be a covenant with you. Let us make a covenant with you. 29, you are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made a feast and they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. 32, that same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug and said to him, we found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Beersheba, this is the point I want to make. We see where Gerar is. You can look on a map and see uh, uh, Gaza and Ziklag. Ziklag is where David hung out for a while when he was on the run from Saul. Gaza is in the same place it is today. Equidistant between those is Gerar. <clears throat> if you measure from there over to the town of Beersheba, it's 20 miles. 20 miles away, Isaac's servants are out with some of his flock or whatever. Maybe there's out his services looking for water. They dig a well and say, hey, we found water. They're 20 miles away from home base. So you kind of see in all this uh, the, the stretch of Isaac's power and, and his dynasty, what it's becoming in a way. Abimelech's advisor, let's see. Ahuzath means possession or property. Why were they coming to Isaac? Isaac's got a lot of possession and a lot of property, and they're worried about their possession and their property. <laughs> so his army's uh, commander's name was Fikol, meaning strong. But his is supposedly built of two smaller words. Fikol, fi, mean, or pe, means mouth. Kol means all. This guy was all mouth. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, either way, just to sum it up, though, uh, Gerard is mentioned as the main landmark in Second Chronicles 14, 13, and as a central main city in 14, 14, the Second Chronicles 14, verses 13 and 14. So much of these mentions of Gerard, the size of Gerard, how big Gerard is, plus Isaac's servants being 20 miles away digging a well and then coming to him saying they found water there, it just kind of testifies to the strength and the power and the riches of Isaac. And we, you really don't see him, of course, as a, a warrior. No. And you don't see Abraham that way, but you do get a story here and there of Abraham going and taking care of some business. But with Isaac, as we said earlier, he's, you know, a podcast or two ago, seems like gentle Isaac, meek and mild. Yes. Like <laughs> Abraham's big. Jacob's big. Isaac's the little guy in the middle that you never hear about, or yeah. he's he's not that important. But as we talked about the last podcast, the the overlay of Christ and Isaac, and then here you know you read how powerful he is. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Two Spies podcast with David and Mark. Don't forget to check out twospies.net for daily devotionals, writings on various topics, and separate Bible studies. Help us out by subscribing to the podcast. Write a review on iTunes and spread the word.